All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. How are you? are you? Are you guys all right? Did you keep all your fingers? Are the kids okay? How'd your dogs recover from uh, the fireworks? The cat's all right? Is your hand okay? Did you treat that burn? How's your uh, How's your toe? Maybe you should uh, be careful next time when you're outside with no shoes on. What do you think? Right? I'm sorry that your pie didn't work. He said to himself, my pie didn't work. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm talking. This is me talking. And I, I almost lost my fucking mind. I, you know, there's so few things we have control over. And it turns out that baking a pie is just another one of those things that we have limited control over. I just wanted a pie to work. It, it was a, an interesting turn of events on the 4th of July. I don't know how yours went. Um... But here's what I was invited to a party that I go to almost yearly. We haven't I've been there in a couple of years because it hasn't happened. My buddy Dan, Gimme Gimme Dan from Gimme Gimme Records and his wife, Jen, the uh, acupuncturist, have a party up in uh, up up where they live, where you can see all the fireworks in the neighborhood, my old neighborhood. And it was all it was all going to happen. So I happened to be going through uh, Whole Foods the day before, the Sunday uh, before the 4th of July, picking up a few things to make the pie that I was going to bring to the party from from Whole Foods. I text Jen, and I'm like, uh, you want me to bring some brisket? And I was thinking about this other piece of brisket in the freezer. It was just a flat, not the whole brisket. I thought I'd throw it on, just bring it. She goes, yeah, sure. And then I bought that big brisket. I'm like, fuck it. I'll, I'll bring the, the whole thing, the, the full brisket. So the next day... And this is all kind of, I'm 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 coming around here to introducing my guest cuz he he comes up in this story and I'll introduce him. I'll tell you who it is. All right? It's the way I'm going to do it today. So Monday morning I get up at 5 and uh or you know 4:15 actually the day of 4th of July and I pull that brisket the night before I salted and peppered it. That's all I did. Half and half, salt and peppered it. That's the rub. Next morning, I wake up 4.15, pull it out of the fridge, go back upstairs. Come downstairs at like quarter to six. I get the Traeger going, 2.25, super smoke, and I put the brisket on there, and it's in there for about an hour and a half, and I get a text from Jen, the party's canceled. So now we've got an 11-pound brisket smoking in the Traeger, and I got to have a party. I got to pull a party together. I got to get it going. So I I texted uh, friends or people that I wanted to come over. It was sort of a scramble in a way. But the first uh, people I text, first guy I text is Jerry, Jerry Stahl, uh, my dear friend Jerry Stahl, the writer, and uh, his girlfriend Zoe. I'm like, you guys want to come to uh, eat some brisket? And he immediately was like, yeah. What time? What do you need? Anything? Now, I'll I'll do this now. But uh, Jerry Stahl's on the show today. One of my closest friends out of the three uh, is Jerry Stahl. And he's the guy on the, with boots on the ground here in L.A. Out of my close friends, out of my two or three close friends, he's my he's my bestie right here in L.A. Now I you may know Jerry Stahl. He's written quite a few books, ten to be exact. Among them, Permanent Midnight, I Fatty, uh, Plain Clothes Naked, many books. He's written uh, for Esquire magazine, New York Times, Vice, The Believer. 
He's been he's been around, man. Been writing a long time. Television writer, filmist. He wrote uh, Hemingway and Gellhorn, written for CSI. He did uh, work on Escape from Danamora, that Ben Stiller produced thing with uh, Benicio and the, the Arquette lady. He received an Emmy nomination for that. And now he's got this new book out, 999, N-E-I-N, One Man's Tale of Depression, Psychic Torment, and a Bus Tour of the Holocaust, which is a disturbing memoir as he takes a bus tour to all the major concentration camps. But Jerry is a, a dear friend, truly one of my best friends. I'll, t- I'll, I'll talk about that more in a minute. But the party, I invited Dana Gould and his fiance, Kat, I invited Kevin Christie and his girlfriend, Marcel. I invited uh, Lara Bites and her boyfriend, who I've only met once, but he couldn't come. But those were that was the core group, and I fucking made this brisket. I was just going to bring something to a barbecue, and I ended up smoking a brisket for 10 and a half hours, doing it the Aaron Franklin way, wrapping it midway through, taking it off putting it in a towel, putting it in a beer cooler so it stayed hot until people came over. I made a chess pie. And, you know, my here's how I know my brain's working pretty well. I'm cooking all day long, and I notice that, you know, a third of a cup, the plastic scoop for a third of a cup is dirty. I'm like, what did I use that for? There was no call for a third of a cup, and I realized, like, oh, fuck. And I knew the pie looked a little weird. The pie was fucked up. It was all runny. It was fucked up. I mismeasured something. So the pie was toast. The pie was garbage. Kit, cat lady Kit, obviously came. I told, I make this pie for her because she likes the chest pie. I like it too, but she loves it. I was so fucking mad that it didn't come out. I can't even begin to tell you how fucking mad I was that it didn't come out. Can't even tell you. Beside myself that I fucked it up like that. And I just took that opportunity to beat my, sh- to beat the shit out of myself and see the world in a negative way. That didn't take much work. So the pie goes right in the garbage. He was like, can we still eat it? I'm not, I'm not presenting that pie. It's garbage. It's garbage. And I don't have time to cook another one. So then I, I reached out to everyone who was coming, bring some dessert. It all worked out. Everybody came over. The brisket came out perfect. I made a salad as well. And I, and I cooked a pe- big piece of salmon on a plank. And it was fucking beautiful. The brisket was amazing. Everybody enjoyed it. Before I go on, thanks to everyone who signed up for WTF Plus. You can click on the link in the show description or by clicking on the WTF Plus links at WTFPod.com. And for everyone else, I hope you're enjoying the hundreds of new episodes we put in the free feed. For future WTF Plus bonus material, I want to start doing more listener mailbags. Remember? You know what those are. Listener mailbags. It's it's a classic. Listener mailbags. So send me some stuff. Email me. Maybe I'll read it and talk about it on the mic. Our email is wtfpod at gmail.com. I guess I'm going to get some trolling. But sometimes those are all right. So let's talk about Jerry. Can we? Jerry Stahl has has been there for me for many years. We've been friends... Jesus, it goes back now. It really. Do. I remember when I got here to L.A. I met him at one of the secret uh, secret society meetings, and I, you know, I was familiar with him. But I'm like, I, I want to be this. I want to be this guy's friend. You ever been in that position where you sort of like, I wonder if I could be that guy's friend? And as a grown up, that's not easy. 
And I don't know how long it took for, you know, I, I would see him at meetings. I'm trying to be cool because it struck me that Jerry Stahl was probably the darkest, coolest motherfucker around, you know. And I was new in town and I, was, and I would see him around. I'm like, God damn it, man. I want to be friends with that guy. That guy's got to have some dark wisdom. And I think I started pestering him. You know, I'd, I'd see him, you know, just sitting in the back at a thing. And I'd be like, hey, what's up? You know, and I'm just trying to be cool, trying to be cool. And I don't know where it turned. But we just became closer and I just started, you know, became around sobriety and I started calling him and stuff. And, and I'll tell you, man, the evolution of a friendship, it's wild. It's wild, really. Because I wouldn't have never known, you know, that we'd be as, you know, get as close as we've gotten, you know, because, you know, we're, we're difficult guys. He's, 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 he's not the easiest guy in the world to get to know. But it just started to evolve. And, and I'll tell you, you know, when I got divorced that second time, I was at the end of my fucking rope. And that guy, Jerry Stahl, talked to me every fucking day. Every day after my wife left me. There were a couple of people that I would talk to. Every day he'd fucking talk me off the ledge. Every fucking day. Never forget that when somebody shows up for you for real. For fucking real, man. You know, when everything's on the line, he's around when I started the podcast and he, we had a, a deal together at HBO to create a show that we came up with and we were going to write it together. And this was like right before the writer's strike. This is sort of the, the luck of it all. You know, we wrote this amazing script. I liked it. And poor Jerry, he was at that time still uh, full of the hep C and struggling daily with uh, just uh, the exhaustion of that and the sickness of that. And then the writer's strike hit. And I just remember we couldn't write nothing. And then he just leaned into writing this novel, The Painkillers. Massive book, almost killed him. I would talk to him. But Jesus, it was almost killing him. We couldn't write the script. And I remember I didn't talk to him about this in the interview, but we, you know, I, we haven't really fought. We had one fight where I talked to him with the wrong tone during the process of writing the script. I just remember, man, he snapped He snapped on me so hard. I was like, oh, fuck. There it is. Let's not open that door again. And But it taught me a lesson, man. You know, it's like you talk to people with respect, even when you're aggravated. People don't work for you. We were working together. But we worked hard on that thing, and then the writer's strike happened. He wrote a novel, and when, you know, the writer's strike ended, they changed people at uh, HBO and... We no longer really had a, anyone in our corner. It just went away. But that that story in that pilot script showed up in the show Marin on IFC, which Jerry wrote with me. Jerry uh, was on several seasons of my TV show, um, writing, uh, writing for, for that show. And I don't know, man. It's just, uh, he's definitely, I love the guy, one of my closest friends. For sure. Been with me through divorce, like hands on, uh, and through the death of my girlfriend and through, you know, just, you know, day to day struggles. And then eventually it became sort of a, a kind of a, a, a fun two sided, you know, friendship and, uh, and, uh, you know, get a lot of laughs, go out and do some stand up. He'll come out with me. It's just like, you know, over the years, this was a guy who I met so many years ago. 
I just wanted to be his friend, and I didn't think I would ever get a laugh out of him. And now we just fucking crack up all the time. And now he's written this uh, this great book, this uh, this uh, concentration camp tour memoir. And uh, this is, I think it's probably his third time on the show, but there was always sort of this sticking point of like, I don't know if he ever felt like he got his full episode. And this is uh, finally, after so many years, uh, my best friend Jerry's full episode, and I'm glad we finally got to talk. We always talk. Jerry and I always talk. It's just like, I know that there was some part of him that was hung up on this idea that the first interview we did was like, it was back when the, the show had three acts. Then the second one was just a shorter interview to promote, I think, OG Dad. But, you know, this is, this is the time. This is the full, the full treatment for Jerry Stahl on the release of this book, 999. So listen, Jerry Stahl's book, 999, One Man's Tale of Depression, Psychotic Torment, and a Bus Tour of the Holocaust is available now wherever you get books. And this is it. This is the, this is the big talk with uh, my good friend Jerry Stahl. What are you doing with your phone? You must put your phone outside. Or you, or you can put it in a bush. <laughs> They'll find it later. I swear I will. You can put it in a bush and then go. Wait, where did I put it? Go put it in oh, your I've wheel well. Did that with drugs so many times. I'm like what? You know, oh, hiding like it down in MacArthur Park. Yeah, I know exactly which bush I'm hiding this under. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go back and you're finding like yeah. fucking condoms. And, yeah, you know somebody and else. The guy who watched you hide it. Yeah, is sitting He's next to there. Smi- yeah, smiling. Doing it right in front of you. Yeah. How's the uh, the the timber of my voice in your head? Loud or is the, it all right? The timber is spectacular. Oh, good. And uh, my lisp is coming through, so that's good. No, you need uh, you need that. That's what uh, that's what indicates you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I don't. I mean, I'm in lisp denial in real life, but uh, I have one too, dude. No, you don't. I do. I you do. So don't have a lisp. I do have a lisp. I have a lisp. It's a mild wisp, and I roll my R's. Well, that's kind of hot. It's not. It's uh, If I focus on it, it drives me nuts. I don't even know what rolling your R's means. I don't do, uh, is it L's or R's? L, la, la, la. I roll my L's, uh, which just means I don't use my tongue for my L's. I don't go la, la, la. I do it for my throat, and I go la, la, la. So it's really a W. So I so rolling. I'll, I'll do respect. I'm not hearing a W. But no, I know you don't hear it. I've been doing it all my life. I've ad- I've adapted. But if I was, you know, I'm not going to get any of Sam Elliott's gigs doing voiceovers. I think primarily, you know, at some point in life, you just got to accept what's not going to happen. Yeah. You're not getting Sam Elliott's gigs. I mean, there's you know, a lot of things. Shock it up, man. No Peabody's. No Peabody's for me. You know what? What? I think you're speaking too soon with the Peabody. Oh, fuck I know them. a couple people on the committee. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's not. <laughs> they like, talk about you constantly. They, they, I, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not. I don't think I would at this point because I've I've gone past the point of like, well, we should have gotten one. I'm okay with it too. Like, fuck them. Yeah. I doubt they'll give me a Peabody. Well, it, it's it's the experience I've had with within both publishing and. Uh, yeah, show business. You know, failing all genres, being my yeah. motto. It's like yeah. I fucking love this, but I mean, yeah. we would never, ever do this. But I, I fucking, love, I showed it to my wife. Yeah. Oh, we were laughing our ass off. But she I couldn't mean, stop are you laughing. Kidding me? Yeah. 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 There's no future for this. Yeah. No, I mean, I, and not only that, but are you okay? Yeah. 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 
Oh, yeah, that's the one, the sympathy one. Oh, I, yeah. I find that <laughs> when I'm on stage sometimes, I just see people who are too close to the stage who are just looking at me like, oh, like, no. <laughs> yeah. like it's just, it's it, not a sad thing, but it is. Like if I, if I let myself kind of... Uh, get in that moment i'm like you're right you're seeing the correct thing yeah well i've, I've seen the close sitters and how yeah. they're affected sometimes yeah, at, the, yeah. at the comedy store I'm, I'm not feeling that sad last night i kind of ripped it up last night uh, a little bit and uh i i don't know I'm, i have found some uh i don't know if it's new courage but there's certainly nothing to lose anymore you know after this uh this uh the uh the tossing out of the Roe v. Wade, and what is it, the Dobbs decision? Is that what they call it? What yeah. is it? Yeah. So, you know, last I just started doing that material about mm-hmm. abortion, and it was. It was are are it, you are you talking about Angel Factories? Yeah, the Angel Factories, and and then I've so added some stuff. Good. But like, how did you respond to this uh, this Roe v. Wade thing? How did it affect you? Well, you know, because we're uh, dudes, I get that. But like, it seems to me, like I, I've been saying on stage, we've all at some point uh, kicked in for one of these. <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, look, I, I'm just going to say that I've, I've done enough. There's actually a seat with my name on it at the Inglewood Woman's Clinic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <Okay>. so, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I'm not bragging. Things, uh, ha- things happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and some of them are probably mine. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So we I'm just want to help I'm out. not always a mark. But it's just you know? interesting that there's not a lot of uh, uh, male voices, and you know, myself included. No, there and should be, though. But yeah, because, like, there there is no bigger proponent for the right to uh, choose yeah. than, than panicky men. No, that that's it's the irony. It's a different intent. It's no, a different reason. That is the irony. I think we should be at the front of the line in every march, because there is an equal... We don't have the same kind of skin in the game. But right, absolutely there. Yeah, I, it's a, it's just weird when people frame it as a, a woman's issue, and like I don't know lately, I don't know about you, but like I've something sort of shifted in my capacity for empathy in general. You know, uh, uh, around uh, I don't know, it maybe had something to do with Lynn passing or whatever. But I'm 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 also able to see women in a more full context somehow. Like I yeah. can I can empathize in a way that I, I, I don't think I was able to for whatever well, reason. Well, sometimes life will drop kick you into enlightenment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and, and, I think and it's when, a horrible price to pay. When all you're thinking about is but, fucking them, the empathy is yes. limited. It's tempered. Uh, well, I suppose it depends, you know. Yeah, I guess so, like what technique. the feelings. Yeah. yeah, what the feelings are. But, yeah. but like I did feel like you know, an incredible despair for just the fact that they, you know, that more than half the population is sort of robbed of their, you know, physical autonomy. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, their, and, and the specifics, the 15-year-old raped by her father, the yeah. 12-year-old raped yeah. by her bro. Right. And uh, has to carry it. Yeah. And have a kid. And that's it for her life. Yeah. She's done. But, like, I found myself despondent. And, like, I w- I've been waking up. This is like, you know, between us and like, you you know, and I've talked about it vaguely before, but like my brain, like I woke up this morning, you know, with an hour of suicidal ideation. That's why we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't feel, you know, like, like all of a sudden the, the, the distance between suicide, thinking about it and doing it, it, it's not, it doesn't even seem that dire. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it's not that I'm do, like- Do I know what you mean? Yeah. I, it's not like I'm planning it, but I'm saying it's sort of like there's just a disposition that's not even fundamentally depressed. It's just- That's right. Like sort of like, I don't even, I can't even explain it to you. No, it's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. 
it's just a matter of time. It's it's not. What time is it now? It's just, it's just it's not drama. Yeah. It becomes like yeah yeah. I mean, what keeps me from doing it? And you know, this is one of the few defining rules of my life is you know the blood sprays on a living. Yeah. So you're fucking everybody. You might be out of it. Yeah. Although who knows? Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just a terrible thing to do to people. Yeah, it's, the thing is, like, I always think that it's like, yeah, I'll be gone. But then, like, the, the only thing that Will hangs... Will you, though? Yeah, but the only thing that hangs with me is, like, if I'm not going to be gone, I'm just going to be a disembodied consciousness. Yeah. Like, you know, that's just sort of like, oh, fuck, now where am I? And, and what do you do when you're a disembodied, you know, it, ec- how, ectoplasmic, depressed chunk I, of consciousness? I'm assuming I won't feel fat. Can you really assume that? I don't know. If I don't have a point of reference. I mean, I love the cockeyed optimism, but I <laughs> I don't know that... Uh, who said ghost can't... I mean, you know. I don't know if it's because, a ghost thing. I but think it's a I, feeling. The key word yeah, was feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, feel. I know, but like, you, if you're not looking at yourself and there's nothing to pinch and you don't have limbs or hands... I mean, or, look at Casper. He was yeah. a little plump. Yeah, he, but that, he was but friendly, I'm assuming but he was that plump. you're not going I'm not, to... I'm not thinking there's going to be a body... Like, I don't think there's going to be, I, I, I'm just thinking it's going to be a presence. But you're talking about feeling, so you're going to have something. So it's going to be even more expensive. Maybe I'm all you have huge. left is your sense huge. of grotesque. Self-awareness? Plumpness. Yeah. Yeah. And like, be, this is it. That's real hell. That's real hell. That's all, total. Forget Sard, hell is other people. All, all you know. Hell is dying and feeling fat. Exactly. We figured it out. Yeah. But like, but still, so, but you come from suicide. I come from a guy that never shut up about it. Yeah. Well, difference. It, it, different techniques. I mean, yeah. I mean, just drag the living down with you in, <laughs> while you're alive. So much worse because it never ends. Never ends. Yeah, and it's. I mean, the stories you tell about your father sitting there at breakfast with a bowl of cereal uh, and a gun. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. look, it's hard to say who wins yeah. in this situation. Well, I mean, it at might, least you got drop. closure. My fucking dad's still total alive, closure. He's just yeah. like his brain is dribbling out of his ear. Well, that that's a whole other issue. Yeah, but yeah I mean, lucky me at sixteen, I had an excuse to feel as fucked up, depressed, alienated, and self-loathing and weird as I already felt. Yeah. But Wait. now it's like, lucky me, I can blame the like garage door and carbon monoxide situation. And uh, that was your cool. dad. Yeah, I dined down. You know, I dined out on that baby. Yeah. You know? But like, did you find him? No, I wasn't living at home at that point. How old were you? I was sixteen. And you're already gone. I I, I had been shipped off to a uh, Episcopalian school. Oh, really? Yeah. From Pittsburgh? From Pittsburgh, yeah. Same place Oliver Stone went, not to brag. Couple of the Bush kids. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and it was weird. How'd I'd you never, end up there? I had never even seen a stereo. Yeah. And it was all these, like, rich fucks. Yeah. You know. Oh, really? And, you know, you want to talk about being the only Jew? We had yeah. to go to chapel every day. Yeah. So I just started doing Which acid. Which school? Wait, you did? Yeah, looking at the stained glass. What like, year was wow, that? Wow. Talking yeah. about dribbling out of your ears. Yeah. <laughs> what year was that? Uh, it was uh, senior and junior in high school. Wow. So what? 16? I don't know if you were born yet. I, I think I think I got out of high school in like years older than me. Let's see. High 71. school in 16. <laughs> I think it's like 1970, 71, yeah. I got right. out of high school. Yeah. yeah. You're like exactly 10 years older than me. That's right. You're, to the day. Yeah. You're 27th, so, I'm 28th. Right. So that's why we have a, you know, we celebrate our birthdays. Like that's that. right. You yeah. Know. The You're going to kill thing. yourself? Nah. nah. Let's wait another year. Yeah. So yeah. Just in maintaining the balance. <laughs> You know what I mean? That fine balance between, uh, you know, thinking about death and doing death. Yeah. Doing so, it, you just don't. I See, I think I would fuck it up. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That'd be bad. Well, I, th- I think I told you about that story with this guy I met when I was teaching at San Quentin for two minutes. Yeah. 
uh, this guy um, got in a lot of trouble. He tried to off himself, yeah. fucked up, yeah. blew the bottom half of his face off, uh, yeah. and then gets busted for a third strike on weapons possession. Really? Because of the suicide attempt? Because of attempt? that. And, and then, then does life with like half a fucking face. It's <laughs> <laughs> the worst. There's no, there's no end to the possibilities. And there's no guarantee. Of horror. I'm, I'm not. I'm living not, horror. I'm not good mechanically. Yeah. No. No. I. I don't feel like either of us are going to do it. I'm just like it always concerns me that my brain does that as a as a soothing mechanism. I mean, oh, that's yeah. really, it's like when I feel no, hopeless. It's, it's almost like it's philosophical self-medication. Yeah, if I feel hopeless, yeah. it, it, it makes me feel better. Sure. Yeah, and I, I guess it's probably not that unusual. No. So when you're at the prep school, which prep school was it? It was called the Hill School. Where is it? Pottstown, PA. Uh, my father, uh, well, he didn't make it out the year, but uh, he was living uh, like in Philly. Yeah. Half the time. Yeah. And uh, mother was in Pittsburgh and yeah. not really getting along with, you know, mom had her issues. Yeah. A little, little bit of electroshock action. You know. She did that too? Oh, yeah. So you yeah. come from, yeah, well, I, can, I know this. And she'd I'm be just happy for, for the sake of the uh, interview. Yeah. Yeah. And then the battery would like drain, you uh, know. Oh, so, so she, the, the electroshock be, would work? It would work mm. for a little while yeah. and then the battery would run down, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why am I laughing? Because you have to. Yeah. What else are you going to do? You know, it's like you have to keep from crying. Well, it's, it's like Hemingway said, you know, the greatest gift an artist can have is an unhappy childhood. So lucky fucking us. <laughs> let's, let's not bring him up as a point of uh, no. uh, an, an aspiration. No, no. The guy who ate a fucking shotgun. Isn't uh, that what he did? Yeah, he ate a fucking shotgun because he had had electroshock. Yeah. Uh, and his memory started to go. This is shit I wanted to put in that fucking HBO movie, but yeah. and his memory started to go, and he was supposed to write a speech for Kennedy of all things, uh -huh. JFK, yeah. uh, and he couldn't remember anything, and he couldn't write anymore. Oh, that's what, he, that's what just, happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least they didn't get the lobotomies. No, I mean my dad had electroshock, like you know, in Look the last up. in the Look last five up. or six years. I'm just saying, really, that, in like, the last five or six years. Well, yeah, there was a period there where well, they do it differently. It's not. No, the, I think it's much more. I don't want to say benign. It's not Nicholson style. I think they might even put mm. you out to really? do it. Yeah, I think. I, I once heard, and this could be mythic, uh. but I once heard that Bernardo Bertolucci did it recreationally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those Italians, I guess. Yeah, you know. Does, I, I don't know if that's a, a party down. I think. There's, yeah. I don't think there's any stereotype there. Hit what the I just talk. Like no. those Italians. I would, uh, what does that even mean? That's so the, not the, even applicable. Yeah, like yeah. if it were the French. But you, but you know what? You said it fast. It. So yeah. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I was thinking French. You know, because the French. The French, did, come on. You know, what, yeah, mon Dieu. Well, what what came to mind was, uh, you know, who was that? Who was the uh, the artist that could. Uh, come just by thinking about it was it cocteau i think like cocteau came to mind for some reason cocteau yeah cocteau. He, he, he did that he could make himself come just yeah. by thinking yeah i think that was the guy that could be messy and i think that but i think it was like burroughs referenced it like there, there's a really? lot of connections how did i not know but that? for some reason uh i don't know i guess we could look it up like my brain went to cocteau man ray sure. and then all of a sudden you said that they he bertolucci liked uh electroshock therapy you so know i, I could i, I, I have French. to give that with a caveat i mean i you know i could what be do you wrong. know somebody so, told me that yeah yeah. So okay. So doesn't you, keep me from saying it. No. No. So you, I don't think I got this backstory. So you're doing acid at the prep school with the uh, with the uh, with the rich kids. scions of the American aristocracy. Yeah, some of them. A lot. Did of I them. use that yeah. right? 
Uh, it's one of those words I've written. Scion. 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 Is it cyborg. Scions? I have Scions? no fucking idea. But they're the S C I O N. Right. But they're the uh, the legacy. The uh, yeah. Sure. Right, sure. Yeah. The kids of the kids. Yeah. A lot of fail sons. Yeah. You know yeah. the kids who like get sent there. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I think. Hope it works uh, out. I think Bissell. Bissell. You know Richard Biss- Bissell kids. Yeah. You know? Vacuum cleaner. Mm. Defense, yeah. you know that oh, combo. The, you know? the, the Bissell crew, they the were Bissell there. Crew, yeah. This you knew Bissell. that guy. You knew that kid. I knew a Bissell, and I seem to remember the nice guy. But my memory's a little shaky because I was doing mescaline every fucking day and acid and shit. You know, in high school. Yeah, where's the mescaline coming in from? That seems kind of exotic. Oh, you know, you're getting it from uh, Philly, can, from uh, UPenn. Right, because uh, if you got the rich kids, rich kids are going to get rich you the shit. Get so you got it from the labs anything. in Philly? From the labs I in UPenn? I don't know where they made it. But this it, was the I mean, old-timey acid, right? This was yeah, the real Yeah, it's old-timey acid. acid. And uh, then once I was a senior, and all yeah. those guys are just like going to college yeah. in Philly at Penn. Yeah. I mean, forget about it. Yeah. You know, I would just go out there and stay overnight yeah. and then come back. And did, get, you, did you get, do college? Uh, I did college, yes. I uh, I attended Columbia, thank you. Yeah. And dropped out. So that, so that worked out. out? The prep school helped you? Oh, yeah. I am. Look at me. I'm an academic. <laughs> <laughs> you are an academic. Absolutely. You've done some teaching. You've written some books. I, I've done a couple things. Yeah. You know, yeah. But so when you go to Columbia, is that mm. when, what, so that's 19... Yeah, it was, a t- it was like the, Viet- the Vietnam War era. You know, 72? The, yeah. How'd you avoid the draft? Uh, I'll tell you exactly how I avoided the draft. I didn't avoid the draft. My number was 73. That's back when they had the lottery. Yeah. And it ended that year, I believe, in the 50s. I made no plans whatsoever. So you almost were. You almost went. Well, you know, there, there's always the guys who like stick peanut butter in their crack and then sure. get down there and, and then eat act it crazy. Front, well, yeah. they get down there and like scoop it out. And How eat many it in times front did the they guy. have to the, the draft board have to see that shit before you know they what? were like, "Hey, it's another shit eater." I mean, bring it. You know, bring toast. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, what is it with uh, these kids? Yeah, here we go with the fucking <laughs> shit eating. We've seen it, buddy. <laughs> Try apple butter next time. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, so I, no I, plan. I, I made no plans and uh, ended up dropping out anyway for a year or two. Yeah, going to Europe, doing that whole thing, being a bartender in uh, London, living in a cave in Crete. I a, never talk about this shit. A cave yeah, in, in Matala. There was like much. It was like the tail end of the hippie era. You can't do that shit. Now. Were you long hair? Uh, my hair doesn't get long. Uh huh. It just gets wide, and then I can't oh, so fit through the, a door. The Jufra. I look like the Ace of Spades. So you, you know, go to Columbia. So I have wide hair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, flat on top. It's kind of the the Larry I have that fine. too. Yeah, mine does that too. Yeah. Oh, you have great a, hair, man. What are well, you talking I, well, about? Well, I keep it trim, but like it's flatter and f- on top, and then the sides will bush out. Really, you got yeah. the side frizz? Yeah. But uh, we should start a band. It's called Side Frizz. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the world needs now. More you know, aging Jews playing rock music like they mean it. Yeah. Well, they're out there. But you know, so before, so there was a ter- a time where you know you were caught up in the times, and you were at sure. Columbia, and you were do you were like on the road to some sort of uh, 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 artistic kind of within the margins life. <laughs> kind of. I remember taking over a building with some sort of nebbishy guy, and we're in like the dean's office or something, and uh, he, on, he, he sees his file. Yeah. And he opens it. Yeah. And they have like an assessment, and it's like great filler material. <laughs> what do you mean? What does that mean? <laughs> that means he's nothing special. But it, the guy was really depressed. <laughs> That's what it said in his file? That, that was there. It's like, we, you know, you need some of these Was that guys. high school or college? Well, that was the college's assessment of him, of him? for admission. Mm. And they're thinking, we need a little filler material. Yeah, we you need know. one of these guys. Yeah. The, the guys are just in the middle. They're just going to. Yeah, just like, they're not going to yeah, make waves. Yeah. Yeah. 
But so what happened? So you go to Europe uh, uh, when you're at college? Oh, yeah, I dropped out to Europe. But you know, I basically you dropped I was, out and then yeah, went for here. a while, and then went back and finished fast. So basically, I started writing for The Voice. You know, it's really what I wanted to do: just be in New York, yeah. be a writer. Right. You know, I wasn't exactly right. Who's at The Voice at that time? Uh, who was at The Voice? Like Nat Hentoff. Uh, was Nat Hentoff still at The Voice? It was still, like it Guy Trebay, uh, yeah. Elliot Fremont Smith was my book editor. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened to him. And uh, yeah, not great with names. I mean, so, Mailer, Mailer started it, but he was way gone. Mailer did. Yeah. And this is what, 73, 74? You know, the date thing, man. You're hitting me with chronology. No, I yeah. know, but I'm, I'm just trying say, to figure it's out. around there, yeah. Because you graduated 70s. high school, 71, 72. I think, I, think I staggered out of college a year later than I should have in like 76. Okay. So, so New uh, York was on the rebound a little. New York was pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, the 70s in New York, it was like right. the thing on the subways when it's like the wolf pack. It's like, on the one hand, yeah, it's a bunch of little kids, like 14-year-olds. Yeah. On the other hand, there's seven of them and they got blades. Right. And there's no way to look cool. Uh-huh. You know, you're not, they're going to take your shit. Yeah. So that happened? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And what about like, the, so were you doing the downtown thing? Were you hanging Well, you know, it those? was the punk era. Yeah, and, it was. Uh, for real. I knew a guy, a guy I went to grade school with. Yeah. Who's since passed? Uh, he was the like first, 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 first drummer for Blondie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I would go to CBGB and see some of that shit. And then we did Acid together. And then it fucked him up. He dropped out. Worked in like I don't know, like a garbage can factory or something in Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> Thirty and blamed me. That's the kind of business and blamed that, me that, that they had. In Became like a chemist. Yeah, yeah something. Yeah. He was yeah. a top dog at the, in the garbage business. <laughs> Garbage can business. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he yeah. blamed you for losing his mind? Well, yeah. And, but you yeah. didn't lose your mind. I don't know. You uh, tell me. Here no, we are. I don't think so. Yeah. So, so but that, back then, did you know, did you meet Toshis and those guys in that time? I you know, I never met anybody cool in the day. I okay. always met okay. people later. Right. And you were like, were you at that show? I was at that show. That yeah. That kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I didn't go with the cool people. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I was in a lot of shit, but I was never, uh, I was never a joiner. Yeah. So punk was happening. Right. I was down there. I saw it. I saw like Patty Smith trudging through the East Village. Yeah. Fucking big old boots and you shit. You can still see that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> still does and, it. And you don't even know if it's her. Yeah. Because there's so many people she's who- She's so fucking who, great. Oh my God. The hair alone. Yeah. She's fantastic. Oh, she's like, she's out there doing it and you know, she means it and yeah. she's full of love, like really spreading the joy. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you go to her shows and it's uplifting and elating. Like, she's, like, like well, so present. Isn't that isn't that what people say when they leave your show? What they feel uplifted? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I think so. Some of them say, I like, what so. did I say? What did I do? I don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> or you know? your your favorite that I always love. You know, yeah. Is he okay? Yeah. <laughs> is he <laughs> is okay? Is he going to be all right? Should we uh, wait? Yeah. I don't want an autograph. I just want to see if he's okay. Well, you know, it gets pretty heavy in here, man. You know, I think they. I think most of them think I'm. In, I'm. I'm. On, I'm okay. Oh, now. now you're totally okay. Now they so, wonder if they're okay. Well, yeah, but what are you covering in in the '70s in New York? Like, what are you doing? Uh, I'll tell you. The first story I used to write for the New York Press too. Yeah. This is no longer a uh, acceptable word, but at the time, and forgive me, yeah. this is not an acceptable. Word. Uh, we'll just say um, there there were there were shows. I think up in the Bronx of Puerto Rican. We're going to say midget wrestling, yeah. little people wrestling. Sure, because that's not a good word. Wrote about that. I wrote about. Uh, <laughs> how you know, gonna, I, I covered the it's weird so funny when, shit. You, when you ask somebody their first story. How are you ever going to forget? Yeah, covering uh, little people wrestling. I can't. 
Puerto Rican little people wrestle. It's very specific. Very specific. Was it a cultural phenomenon with the Puerto Ricans? I don't think it was just Puerto. There are all kind of people there. And it was just like, wow, this shit is going on. I always like subcultures. This shit is going down. <laughs> I love subcultures. And then I had kind of a, I never went to journalism school or anything. So I, I wrote a thing for The Voice yeah. about confession magazines. And uh, remember, I don't know if you remember apology? the apology. True Confessions. Oh, true, the cop ones, right. Yeah. <laughs> apology, yeah. There was a guy who did the apology I line. know the apology hotline, yeah. yeah. This was confession mags and and I, I the, the woman wouldn't see me uh-huh. you know the main editor so I ride an elevator with her and I hear her say to one of her co yeah as I slap them my That's co-workers right. the only difference between me and my readers is that my IQ is over 70 hey, oh wow yeah and so I put that in a story nice quoted her fucker Oh, no, man. That is not journalism ethics. No. I had to go and apologize. I mean, it just didn't even occur to me. That you couldn't do that. That I couldn't. I mean, that was, I was off such the record. Idiot. That you were eavesdropping. Well, I'm on an you know? elevator with some woman. I mean, she probably felt safe. And then yeah. I'm in there fucking, you but know. But she wasn't even talking to you, though. Not even in the slightest. <laughs> Didn't even know I was there. She did later. And yeah. then I heard from the editor, do you want to, you want to work in this? Why don't you go fucking apologize? Really? Yeah, and did I had you? to. I did. You confessed? I... <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a story, yeah. you know, I, yeah. uh, I eavesdropped on the editor yeah. of this very magazine. Yeah. 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 So that happened. And when does the, when do you it start? It sounds prestigious, doesn't it? I mean, really ripping the lid off stuff. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was powerful work. Yeah. But I, I, I was going deep. I just realized, I think that the little people have been involved in wrestling since the beginning of wrestling. There's always been sort of like, you know, little people tossing and all that kind of weird. Oh, that's a whole other thing. That, that started happening. Remember in the rock videos and yeah. shit? And it was just, Yeah. yeah. That's a whole other level. Yeah. Um, I mean, these guys had dignity. They but were you weren't fucking, covering they were music. They fucking tough. Uh, did I cover music? I think the first, I, I wrote about Rye Cooter. I, I started writing for the Santa Cruz Times for $8 yeah. an article. When you come out here, though. Uh, when I ended up out there later on. So when did you I, go to the cave? When were you living in the caves? Cave? Caves are when I dropped out of college. Didn't know if I was going back. I'm living in a cave in Matala. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Uh, Were you homeless or could, was it cool? I didn't have a lot of money. It seemed okay. like an interesting thing to do. Were there other people living in the cave? Yeah, a lot of old hippies had been there. So there was a lot oh. of feces. If you went too far back... <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I was with a bunch of British guys, and uh, when they were gone, I looked at one of their journals, and, and he's like, I'm not going to do the accent, but yeah. I read it, and it said, uh, this weird American bloke has latched onto us, you know, and yeah. I felt like an idiot. That was yeah. you? That was me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there were other people in the cave. Yeah, the, the you know, time. yeah, it was like sleeping bag, you know, yeah. it, was, it was a hippie thing. How long, how long were you there? Uh, I think I was in the cave for a couple of weeks. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then you worked in... What, what, what I mean, I don't think I qualify as a cave dweller. No. <laughs> no. No, not for a couple of weeks. You're definitely no, a no. cave tourist. I wasn't getting... Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Just passing through. Yeah. I wasn't getting my mail there. Yeah. So, and then you worked in a restaurant, you said? Uh, yeah, I worked in London. I, I ended up... Uh, Let's see, where else did I live? Yeah, I worked at a place called the Brush and Palette in yeah. London, which yeah. is where the, if you probably don't remember, there was something called the Profumo scandal. No, I don't know anything about that. Just some scandal, the typical shit involving yeah. prostitutes, this and that. Okay. But the, but the gimmick right. at this restaurant was that they had a nude woman yeah. sitting in front of the diners with like a fake French guy and like the little beret yeah. painting him. Yeah. So I was like a dishwasher, so I just, you know, got the straight view. Yeah. But then I started, go, I was going out with the woman. Who was, who, the, who was the model? Right. She was an American. I knew. Yeah. 
and uh, you know, I felt I had I had conflicting feelings, right, about you know, her doing the posing. Yeah, that. I mean, but you know, you live, you learn. Well, well, that was the first. That was your. That was the <laughs> the beginning of whatever the fuck you you ended up evolving Just into. Just stop along the way. It's all about <laughs> acceptance, Mark. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> acceptance. That's right. That's yeah. right. Drink it a little too much. My head was the size of a basketball because oh, yeah. I was working. You know, then I started working in a bar. Yeah, and you're living on like rashers and bangers and Guinness. Yeah, yeah, rashers and bangers. And uh, yeah, yeah. don't get me started. Yeah, uh, it's all sex with you. Uh, <laughs> but you know the weird thing about that gig what? was every Sunday all the pregnant ladies would come in to like hammer the fucking Guinness. Oh really? Because they thought it was packed with iron. Is it? Sure. I don't know what's in Guinness. It seems healthy. It looks healthier than most beer. Oh, that was the real Guinness. You could put a spoon in that and it would yeah, just stand right. straight the, up. Man. Phone. It was intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but it's easy to be a bartender because there's really not a lot of mixed drinks. Right. In you know. Oh, in England. Yeah. So when do you, when does the problem well, you, start? You were taking me back. I know. You're taking, when did the problem start? Yeah. Uh, three. <laughs> Four, <laughs> when, when when mom did the enemas. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, we missed all that. that no, was I'm I'm just saying. When did the problems start? Yeah, you were clean, when did your problems you were clean start? inside. I was clean and sober. Yeah, clean yeah. inside by your I mom. Was, well, yeah, it's like uh, you were talking the other day. Was it uh, Ms. Berlant? Is that how you yes, pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. About, about the colonics. Yeah, the colonics, which is really weird. Your mom was an early adapter. She uh, well, it was more like a turkey baster. <laughs> it was like Harpo's horn. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and no lube. Uh, yeah, but it was weird. But, you know, when I was over a couple of years ago in Poland yeah, and, uh, you know, all over like Krakow and also Berlin, you know, all these sound, the, the, these like signs on little billboards like Kolonique. I don't know yeah. if you're getting the accent right. Sure. Big it sounds there. good. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, well, I mean, can you imagine? It's a craze. Get a fucking German Kolonic. With that, yeah. That's with, some primal with, shit. Sure, yeah. With German instructions. Like, yeah. I yeah. don't understand it. So it's, it all seems primal to me. Auf die Knie. That's the only German I know. Yeah, I, I didn't even do it right, but it's a, it's definitely uh, kind of a, what, what was the word I want? There's a, it's a, uh, there's a, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of that. Guttural, is that what it, I want? It's very guttural. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds like the noise is coming, if, if you're like a men's room stall in Port Authority, yeah. and somebody's, you know, having like an emotional bowel movement in the next one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of that. But when does the, uh, I know the th- age three, sure, I don't know when my, I, I, I can't, yeah, it's somewhere in there, but I mean, like, when did, um, did you write, were you writing for Goldstein or no? I wasn't writing for Goldstein, uh, I was writing fake sex letters oh. for uh, Penthouse. Penthouse, that would have uh, been Guccione. Oh shit, and, I and a lot read of, those when and I was a, a kid, of my stories, dad used to buy Penthouse. Yeah, that was me. The fake, That's uh, my early work. I used to like uh, Xavier Hollander's column. Oh yeah. Call Me Madam. Was that the what ha- it was called? The Happy Hooker. The Happy Hooker, yeah. 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 But she used to have a monthly column in Call Penthouse. Call me madam. I believe so. Wow. And it was just, you know, it was a, a, a column that I remember reading when I was a kid. Damn. Because my dad got that shit. Did it get you? Like, yeah, how, of how, how old are we talking? Is that some early... I don't know. It was probably 13, 14. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was think, around um, the right time to start think, seeing that so stuff. So was your earliest jerk-off material like pictures or reading dirty stuff? Um... I don't even think I don't know if it was associated with anything. Mm. Uh, I th- I think it was just associated with the feeling, like I. It, but when I started to become conscious, uh, it was mostly my 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 brain thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then it became. Uh, I think there were some pictures. Yeah, but it started off uh, imagination. 
Yeah. And then I, someone got hold of a porn magazine. It was like, yeah. oh my God, that's a, that's when you learn how everything works. Oh my God, yeah. And yeah. then, you know, I got a hold of these like, uh, these fucking, I don't know, Elizabethan and Victorian era, like, you know, porn, like The Pearl, mm. you know, and these weird stories, you know, like, and autobiography of a flea. Oh and, yeah, and these, what was that about? I, just these weird stories with like, everybody was frigging. I didn't know what that mean. And it took autobiography, me like, isn't like Alexander Pope or something? I don't know, somebody. But like, it took me like two years before I realized it wasn't public hair. Oh yeah. It was pubic hair. <laughs> but, but isn't this literature? Like, isn't the autobiography of a flea? What is that? Okay, it was, there were these paperbacks. That oh, were, that's right. It's a, uh, is an anonymous erotic novel. Yeah. First published in 1887 in London by Edward Avery. Nice. I don't know what that means. Well, might not have been him. No, he didn't write it. He just published yeah. it. Oh, right. so that was the first of Dirty Books. That was, the, you know, oddly, like my first Dirty Books were yeah, like yeah. in weird Elizabethan English. So you, you were know? just writing the fake letters to Penthouse? I wrote the fake sex, sex letters in Penthouse back and forth. I just go to the other side of my desk and yeah. write the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my girlfriend is into scars. <laughs> And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the greatest hits. And then, uh, you know, I wrote Starwood for like Beaver. Yeah, I mean, I was so naive. Beavers, that was the, that was a that was, that was a lot of meat in that one. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, a lot of pain. And I remember, I was such an idiot. I yeah. wrote a story for them, and uh, the guy said to me, uh, you know, I, don't you want to use a different name? I'm like, no. Yeah. You know, no, he's like you. I'm proud. Trust me. Yeah. Because I was just, you know, I just wanted to be a writer yeah. so bad. You wanted to be Jerry Stahl from Beaver. Yeah, well, which I ended up being, so okay. it all worked out. <laughs> it looks good on a resume, and it opens doors, is what I'm saying. It opens something. I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not sesame. That was not, a, uh, that was not a, <laughs> one of the classier uh, uh, oh, man. convenience store porn publications. No. Beaver Mag. Well, then, so, uh, then I ended up... Uh, I ended up how I got out of New York to LA with a brief three month stop at the YMCA in Columbus, not to brag, was that I got a gig as like a humor editor at Hustler. Right. Doing this thing called Bits and Pieces where people would send in like uh, pictures of like erotically shaped vegetables from Wisconsin. Oh, really? You know, and you'd have to write those the dirty Wisconsin. Oh, my God, those cheesehead yeah. monsters. And, uh, you know, it's a classy gig. And, and that's that, what then, got you here? Yeah, six months to the day, I got fired by uh, Paul Krasner, and uh, of all people. What the fuck did you have to do to get fired by that guy? I don't know, but I did it. Huh. I did it. And that, Larry Flint had got shot. I mean, it was a lot of drama. When you were there? When I was in Ohio, he got shot, and then we moved out here. And, uh, you know, it uh, formed some lifelong associations. What, what, what was in Ohio? When did the... Uh... That's, where, that's where he was. He oh, started oh, out in right. Columbus. So that's where I remember he got the because gig. we oh, okay. he had uh, one party where he invited the whole staff yeah. to his house in like Beckley, which is this upscale section of uh, Columbus, and in the basement, in a diorama, he yeah. recreated the shack where he grew up, <laughs> which I just thought, wow, that's that's money. That's an right ego there. right there. Wow, that too. Yeah. yeah. So when does the dope start? When does the dope start? Well, dope was in and out. You know, yeah. I was always doing shit. Yeah. Somehow in my th kind of a late bloomer, late 20s, 30s. Yeah. Again, chronology, yeah. sketchy. Yeah. Uh, I was just strung out. Yeah. Just, you real, you know, you just realize you're it, fucking strung out. Yeah. And you're shooting dope every day. Yeah. And this was before AIDS. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sharing needles and yeah. shit like an idiot. You know, yeah. We, we did the little like alcohol swab. Right. But, and yeah, I got the hep C. Yeah. I, yeah. It, you know, I was thinking about that, though, 
Because I just watched this Karen Dalton documentary. Oh, Karen Dalton. She's amazing. Yeah. What? That but, voice. Oh, she's great. But like she was strung out. And I think Tim Harden got her strung out. But they, oh, but, really? like, but But yeah, I mean, it was a problem. But the way they all talk about it, you get these old folkies mm. talking about shooting speed and dope. You know, is well, that, I mean, you're, you're James Taylor you had in the show, right? right. Was, yeah. But like, I just can't picture it being so... Uh, accessible and around that, you know, there was just, pe- pe- you know, gatherings where people just hanging out booting dope that weren't like, because as it evolved, it, that became like a shooting gallery situation, but it seems like it was just a, a regular party and somebody would pull out the fucking works. Slamming and jamming. Yeah. Yeah. and But there was, because to me, it always strikes me as something that's kind of sordid and fucking creepy. But I guess there, it wasn't and, and, at that, that time. That's where it goes. I mean, I don't know. I never had folk parties where we were, <laughs> you Playing know, guitar. Michael row the boat ashore, you know, <laughs> you, you go. <laughs> uh, I missed that. But like so many movements, I just missed it. So uh, the dope got a little sore. dope, you fast. missed the folk dope parties? I missed them. Yeah. It wasn't invited. They were probably going on. I mean, yeah, I lived sure. in Laurel Canyon for a while. I heard some folk, yeah, you yeah. know, but nobody invited me in. No. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was doing the crack by then too, you know, I was. Cracking dope? Well, I was trying to get off the dope, so I thought I'd switch to crack. To crack? Just yeah. smoking the crack? Yeah. But both solitary. Not the best decision I solitary ever Solitary adventures for you? Oh, they were adventures. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that. I, you know, that's that story, you know, where I thought I was getting arrested because I lived in the bottom half of a house. Yeah. And I'm coming back one night at three in the morning and yeah. like, the, the landlady's out there like waving her hands and the cops, you know, and the cops have pulled up and, yeah. you know, I'm like, I just kept going. I didn't yeah. pull over. Turned out. Yeah. Uh landlord had had a heart attack and di- needed a ride to the hospital and you just you bailed and he died yeah <laughs> and, and but you're I, and you're you're running i didn't know i was evicted because i never opened my mail till finally she came downstairs why the fuck you know are yeah. you still here yeah wow so essentially you killed and that was me. in laurel canyon you killed my husband yeah, yeah it was right across from wonderland elementary Mm. So I would hear them sing. You know, when you're up all night, and it's not That's just the, the birds. I had... It's kids singing, America. The... Uh, you know? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck. Is Every it day. Is it eight, five days a week. Is it eight o'clock again? Yeah. Yeah. I, I lived next to a, a school when oh, I- Oh, so uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I wasn't, I was sober by then, but it was mm. right over there. When I first moved to LA, it was right next to a school. It was the bells at, you know, the ringing of sure. the bells. Yeah, that's right. All day long, yeah. too. I yeah. lived next to a, a place where they built a, 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 a large building. That was when I was using in, in Somerville, Massachusetts. They they, they just, were doing heavy construction, like pounding oh. foundation. Oh my! And you're and you're and, and wake at seven in the morning. Oh, and you got that coke head from yeah, the night the before. Night, the worst. The depression yes. is unspeakable. The worst, and it's just and it's oh shaking God. the house. Yeah. So you think oh you got God, the Hepsies in the in the seventies? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I well probably the eighties. Mm. You know, I got it. I mean, the guy I started out with, uh, who ended up doing like weird movies with and stuff, like Cafe Flesh and stuff. He uh, he ended up having a liver transplant. Which guy's that? His name is Stephen Sadian. He is a total genius. At twenty one, yeah, he sort of did all Flint's ads with those weird ad parodies and all yeah. those crazy covers and shit. Real, just a great guy. But you know, um, he ended up having the transplant. You know, which is where Hep C goes, but somehow I got lucky. Because I was like, also, I know, shooting we, dope, yeah. jogging, and drinking wheatgrass. Yeah, so sure. you, you know, I was, balance it. I was covering the water. Like, a, like yeah. a true Libra, just trying to keep the balance. 
Does that make me a Libra? I guess we're Libras, right? Yeah, and just kind of like you know, balance. I've never had balance. Yeah, I mean, but you, I've you, had you strive. You strive. The guy can dream. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. that's a good example: the wheatgrass and the running and the heroin. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you get a lot of you know. People don't know this. What? But you can shoot dope and get a lot of energy because you just don't feel you don't feel the fatigue. Right. I wasn't right. an otter. Right. I was a jogger. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I and mean, then you know it went south. Well, I mean, there were a lot of dudes that I used to see in the old when I lived down there on Second between A and B that you know. Oh, you so you're doing the real thing with guys lowering the bag out the window. Yeah. And shit. That, yeah. That was yeah. next door. Really. Yeah. Wow. But like there were dudes that were old dudes that you know. I think if you maintain your habit, you you'll be all right. Sure, but not not now. You don't know what well, you're it's, getting. It's like Burroughs said. You know, it's 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 not the drug; it's the lifestyle. Yeah, it's what you got to do to maintain. Right, the crime. Yeah, wh- yeah. whatever. Right, yeah, whatever you got to do. That's right. You know. That's what gets dangerous. Yeah. That, like I used to say that about drugs is that as soon as you get involved with them, you you kind of exponentially uh, are adding to the possibilities of. Ways you could die outside Absolutely of the drug. Absolutely true, and not just die, but fuck up. Because right. I, I relapsed a lot. Yeah, I was a guy at meetings like people didn't want to sit next to because they'd right. get like relapsosis. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah, took yeah. me a minute to lock in. Uh, but like, as soon as you relapse, suddenly you lose your wallet. Right. <laughs> yeah, Somebody yeah. T-bones your car, and it doesn't even seem like you're responsible for any of it. But just cosmically, you know, you know, it's like fuck you. You've opened. Yeah, you did this again. Yeah, you're fucked. You're off the. You're off your grid. That's right. And it's just chaos. It's not safe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when uh, so that's for the kids. Yeah. So you come out here for hustler, and then like, but the thing about the Hep C, because I don't, I don't think we talked about that, was like, I mean, I knew you when you were dying. You know, we had, were writing that thing for HBO, and you were oh, like sweaty right. and yeah. pale, yeah. and it you know you were fucking like it seemed like you were very sick, yeah. And uh, and then the writer strike happened, of course. <laughs> it's like it's just another Jerry story, where it's like we're close. No, no writer strike, and then you wrote Painkillers, and it almost killed you. Yeah, well, that later down the line, I was I was yeah, I was clean then. You know, no, 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 yeah. you were clean. Yeah. I mean, you, but I was dying. And, you know, I was told I had a year to live for a very long time. And you were very sober. I mean, you were like 15 years sober or yeah, something yeah. more. Well, it, it, the hep C is weird because the main symptom is you feel kind of hungover and you're super tired. You're swe- I remember you saying, like, we talked later about, like, the Marin show. It's like, I couldn't hire you, man. You were kind of sweaty and green. <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were sick? Yeah. yeah. No, not a guy you want to be around. Well, it wasn't so much about being around you. It was just like, I didn't know if you were going to you know, handle it. No, you, you know? can't hire a guy who think might die, die two months yeah, in. It, you know. I don't know if, I don't remember it, but I remember you being sick because when we wrote that thing, you pulled out and then you almost killed yourself writing that fucking book that huge yeah. mengua book yeah that was that was, weird. The, that was my first brush with the nazis not, yeah yeah and that was about, I've, I've been going like deep you know rolling like nazi deep for like a real long time that was a few books ago it's a huge book and is yeah. like mengua still alive and he's uh in highland park but i guess the point being is that now they can cure hep c if you got the bread but you were on a drug trial yeah i got really you, lucky you and you weren't you didn't get the placebo well no because I defied doctor's orders for years. About the uh, getting the other stuff. Yes. The, what's it called? Interferon. Yeah, interferon. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Because I knew I knew somebody, I, somebody who killed themselves, a woman we know from the program had this crazy thing where she like, uh, on Mulholland like tried to kill herself. Yeah. Landed on uh, all four wheels in like a, 
some like pool, <laughs> yeah. a pool daytime soap stars driveway uh-huh. and just had to like get out of the car and call triple a you oh know, my just, god and, and it's and also it wasn't guaranteed that no, it, it was like work. 30 40 percent so right. but they kept telling me i was gonna die yeah i mean i paid tw- like 20 when i get you it know, because i had some dough back then yeah. I, I paid like 25 grand to like go to the dominican republic get a get a bang of like stem cells you did which kept me alive for like a year really yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh it was wholly illegal, but you know, a doctor I was seeing said, "Well, you know, I know a guy who knows a guy." But yeah. I, and, and it was really weird. Yeah, you know, when you, when you go to like the Dominican Republic for a day, yeah. and come back and they're looking at you, you know, in like customs, yeah, not easy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I try. Any long story short, I get on this trial drug program at Cedars yeah. because I was interfering that naive, and. Uh, I get this drug. Yeah. Want to talk about it. this is sort of an acid heavy episode, but it was like doing bad acid. Yeah, like I would I would drive. Home. You know, I had tracks. Yeah, because they were taking blood like every couple of and days. And you're like tw- you're like twenty years sober, fifteen years sober at that point. Yes. Yeah. But it felt like I was doing bad acid. Yeah, yeah. I would ha- I would like clutch the wheel and tell myself the road is solid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because the freeway felt wavy, uh, you know, uh, and uh, but it worked. But I think that's uh, like on a philosophical level. <laughs> I, I think is it's, it, it's is worth it solid. It's, it's it's words to live by. It's worth pondering. Something. Yeah. <laughs> if if any one thing is solid, let it be the road that we are walking. But is it anyway? Yeah. Long story short, Abbott Pharmaceuticals, they came up short. I think it was it was so unpleasant and fucked up that even though in like one week. Like it was zero, you know. They really? Checked. Yeah, it wiped me out. It was so atomic. So okay, so this was, and the then first, you keep like, doing the, it for twelve weeks. So, but this was the first version of this drug that's now readily it, it, available. Yes, Harvoni. Yeah, which is like Jesus. Like I think it's like nine hundred a pop or something. Yeah, right? unless you're in Canada, in which case it's like twelve or something. Yeah, twelve dollars. Yes. Yeah, not twelve hundred. Uh, so I lucked out. It just fucking cured me. I mean, it was a nightmare. Yeah, but. Uh, now, if I'm like, you know, creepy and sweaty, it's on the natch. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't blame FC. Did you feel a relief? Did you feel a oh, shit? fuck yeah. Like a shitty shit? me? Yeah. Well, on the other hand, because you feel like kind of like I'm looking death in the eye. When you defy the doctors and don't do the shit they yeah. tell you to do. Yeah. And they're telling you yeah. you're going to die. Yeah. You know. But yeah, that's because, kind of an outlaw mode. Well, but then I got. But then it was like almost like getting clean. Like I'm. I'm now. Now I'm not dying. Yeah. Exactly. Now what? Exactly. Yeah. yeah welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your excuse now? Yeah. But no. No but, excuse. But no. But you did. And I had energy. I yeah, mean, it was it changed. It was, it was wild. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was no. I might be slightly green, but I wasn't like no. You British good. racing green. No, you know? no. Yeah, I think you look good. Your, your whole disposition eventually changed. You you went out and had a new baby. You did well, all, all kind of weird of... shit happened. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I got on that medicine. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know the, the uh, my wife at the time was pregnant, and they said, oh, and by the way, if you so much as touch a pregnant woman with like a drop of sweat. The kid will be born with like you know antlers and a three day beard. Wow, you know it was yeah. like total mutant. Yeah, so, so she had to you know the poor poor woman had to go like move to Texas. Oh, and, that was uh, during that because yeah. because you because she, she couldn't be around the med. You couldn't even hold the pill. I mean, this stuff was beyond toxic. But that's why it worked. Wow. Yeah. But I guess that the version they're using now is a little more manageable. Oh, well, Abbott didn't get the gig. Oh, really? Somebody, the Harvoni people. I don't Ad, know. Abbott, have, now they got the uh, uh, COVID test gig. 
Yeah, you know, they, they land on their feet. Yeah, Abbott did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've used uh, many of those codes. No, it's like IG Farben. Sure, yeah. they had slaves making their pills at Auschwitz. Yeah. But you know yeah. what? They did okay. Same with Bear. They <laughs> yeah. came through. <laughs> Bear, yeah, what well, Bayer, yeah. Yeah. And also Braun, right? The machine? Sure, the, yeah. And My and coffee like, grinder. And like, little... you know, Hugo Boss. Every bar mitzvah boy's suit is uh-huh. Hugo Boss. Guess who designed the SS uniforms? And they were sharp. They were Hugo very, Boss. Really? Yeah, man. It never ends. Yeah. So like, I am such a boring font of this. And the great thing about this book, for what it's worth, is I got to, because I don't write in a linear, I got to march out a lot of this stuff. That I, I, I love these crazy fucking details. The, rab- the rabbit holes. Well, I mean- be, it, is, be, it is indeed a rabbit hole. The first book was Permanent Midnight, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then it goes on through, was it Perv, a love story? No, I, I think that- Or short stories. One, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess it was Perv, a love story. Yes, it indeed was. And then uh, Plain Clothes Naked. That's and, right. That's and, the, uh, the kind I, of noir one. Yeah. I, I and started, then I Fatty, the genius. I fatty. Yeah, which is still soon to never be a movie. You know, and, but, and but another we tried. great Jerry Show business story that <laughs> well, doesn't uh, doesn't Phil, quite land. Philip Seymour Hoffman, God rest his soul, uh, was the initial guy um, who yeah. wanted to develop. He optioned it first. Well, Johnny Depp optioned it. Yeah. for eternity. Yeah. Okay. So that happened. Well, you need the bread. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I sure did. Uh, it all worked out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But and, now uh, it's in development hell, basically. Yeah, it'll, it'll be in development forever. That's yeah. part of the joy of projects like this. But that's a great book because that was one of those things where when you have to do research on something, you'll fucking do it. Like you, the way you the, the, the way you set up that era of Hollywood was, you know, so meticulous mm-hmm. because you were all up in it. Well, th- this is this is the grim backstory to that, which is, you know, not to drop names, but, yeah. you know, old, old pal uh, Bourdain, you know, was doing a series. Anthony, yeah. Was, yeah, Anthony Bourdain was doing a series for uh, Bloomsbury Books and, uh-huh. of like nonfiction, sort of like unknown icons. Yeah. So he did one on Typhoid Mary. Uh-huh. Who, weirdly enough, turned out to be a chef, and I I started to do one on uh, Fatty Arbuckle, but it read like a fucking term paper. Yeah, it was so dry. Right. I mean, I looked at it it's like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah. So I just threw it out, and without telling them, I invented like this weird fake autobiography. Yeah. Where he's telling the story, and yeah. I, I got his voice. Yeah. Not hard to do, and nobody's ever heard him talk. Sure, kind of have a little room yeah. to move. Yeah, and uh, you know, it just freed me up, and it just, you know, I got lucky. It's great. It's a great one. Oh, thanks. And man. then, the, and then the uh, the the painkillers, which I swear to God, you almost died writing that. Because like we couldn't write the script, and I would talk to you, and you'd be like, "I've been up all night, and I'm just writing like." <laughs> Like so I, sorry, I can't man. like I'm writing this. Well, we couldn't write because it, the strike was on. Yeah, but no, like, it was all happening. But you were, but it was just sort of like this thing that it, it was almost like you were racing against death to get this Mengla book done. I, I did have a feeling, and it sounds so melodramatic that I never talk about it. But, yeah, uh, I really thought like I got to get as much down as I fucking can. Yeah. Well, you always write like that, though. Well, I do now because, as like I said the other day, I'm like a lot closer to dead than 40. Yeah. You know? Right. So, uh, soon to be another title. And I like, I, I seem to have this need to like write with this fucking naked desperation to just keep going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and the Mangala thing was weird because I had to live in that. And it's so dark. That yeah. You don't think it's affecting you, but it kind of is. Yeah. But you're kind of that dark to begin with. Right. So it's, you know. It's Just researching what he did in the camps? Yeah, all that stuff. What was done, what he did, what happened to him. I mean, he fucking escaped. Yeah. 
you know, and, yeah. and allegedly drowned in South America, but some say he's still alive. You know, uh-huh. boys from Brazil. You know, that I saw that movie. Nice, huh? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. The same kid. Hey, there's that kid again. For <laughs> <laughs> he did a lot of movies. Yeah. Well, no, he's like you know, yeah, it's he's that kid. It's the, yeah. the Hitler kid. Yeah. And all these different and like just uh, and. Uh, who was that? Uh, uh, Lawrence great... Lawrence Olivier as the Jew as the Nazi hunter, the Jew Nazi hunter. Is your father home? <laughs> don't, don't you remember? He <laughs> yeah, was. I do. I he, do. He played uh, Zell in Marathon Man, the Nazi dentist, and he played is someone. It sa- is it safe? Yeah, and is then he played uh, uh, like someone based on Simon Wiesenthal in Boys from Brazil. He just I covered. Believe. He covered all the bases. Sure, Zell. <laughs> <laughs> That fucking movie's great. Oh, it's fantastic. I love that era. I love those movies. Yeah, man. Yeah. When he's walking down through the Diamond District. <gasps> That's him! So <laughs> <laughs> And he's got the Porta Blade that oh, yeah. shoots out of his right yeah. out of his I mean, who doesn't want one of those? Uh, yeah, there's yeah. always that. You know, you always want to have one of those. When you see your first Switchblade, you're like, where do you get those? Yeah. Mexico. Yeah. But, all right, so then you uh, you do other books. And do you, some you, more books. And then you massive you, non-sellers that I just kept doing, <laughs> but you made the big bread on the on what the bad boys movies. And yeah, the, I did. Uh, you know, I wrote a lot of movies where my name's not on. You know, yeah. a lot of those. You know, bad boys too. Big. Put my uh, put my daughter through uh, Northwestern, which is great. Yeah, and uh, and you work with him for the TV shows too, right? Which one? Yeah, some I did some CSIs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, you reach this weird point, man. Yeah, where you're like making good dough, yeah. and I'm writing script after script yeah knocking them out and you know i can never do it casual i always got to like I, I find a voice and you know it's, it's yeah. a little pretentious yeah. but whatever but then nothing gets made and you got to make this decision do i want to die with like you yeah. know a great house and cool living room furniture yeah or do i want to fucking write some books and actually have a shelf right you know so yeah I went for the shelf ultimately yeah. you know? ultimately flunked out of show business or engineered he held on to the house for a while yeah it was good you know yeah. So, all right, so now, he, I remember when you went on the tour for of the of the concentration camps. That was initially for a magazine article. For Vice, yeah, I did a six-part thing for Vice, not the video. This was the, the online print. Yeah. Vice, yeah, they sent me over there, and I, I, I did... What was the assignment? The assignment was I wanted to go over there. But, you know, for me, the best kind of travel was when somebody else is paying. Yeah. So Vice paid for me to go. But the catch was it was a bus tour right. of, the, of the camps. Yeah. Dachau, Buchenwald, and Auschwitz. So I'm riding on a bus yeah. for like, I don't know, 19 days, 18 days yeah. with uh, a bunch of people, many of whom who had never seen a Jew. Yeah. So that is was that true. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we- They're uh, all in the book. Some of them are in a book. Loosely yeah. based or loosely, not, yeah, loosely not based. named. No, renamed. Renamed, I mean, yes. well, you know, yes. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. Uh, but true, you know, true. Yeah. And uh, it was fascinating because the, the first night we're there, we're in this like uh, Kilbasi Grotto, some yeah. restaurant, <laughs> and we're going around the table like, why do you come? Well, you know, uh, I've always been interested in the Jews. You know, I've seen a lot in the History Channel. And then there was a lot of Hitler's list. Hitler's list, Freudian slip, fuck yeah. me. Schindler's list, Schindler's, then Hitler's yeah. list. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of Schindler's fans, and uh, some of whom, interestingly, were more interested in seeing the hotel where the stars of Schindler's list stayed <laughs> <laughs> than, than actual the Schindler Museum. 
Uh, which which uh, which camp was that that he saved them from? That Schoenwer saved them from? Which camp was in that movie? That is a great question. I wonder which one it was. I, I do not know. I, I I think it was just it was an, it was an every camp situation. Yeah, I I mean it was like a camp within a camp. For there's a people. lot of camps that were smaller that you don't even like, yeah like get, Sackerhausen like yeah, outside like, Vienna. Yeah, that's how you say it. <laughs> that's how I say it. And at, but not all of them killed Jews. No, for example, Auschwitz was a death camp. Right. But uh, like Buchenwald, they didn't outright kill them. Yeah. You just worked them to death. Right. So it's like, do you kill by like a bullet or putting instantly in the chamber mm. or do you work them to death? Right. So Auschwitz was a... a, a... Straight up death camp. And, and, a, and a Mangala experimentation center. Really? That's where he was? That's where he, that's where he did, you know, he sewed twins together. And that's where Eichmann was there. Uh... Eichmann wasn't specifically at the camp. He designed the entire program, if I understand. Oh, okay. Yeah, he he was a planner. Mm. Yeah, they got him. So this is sort of like the 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 arc of this book, which I think is honest, and it, 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 is that uh, your own self preoccupation with your problems as you move through these, um, you know, Jew killing. Yeah, one thread is the horrible truth. Yeah. Which that is you want to go and you want to feel this. Yeah, yeah. You really want it. And sure. A, it's like I begin to think that any emotion is unworthy of of like what these people went through. B, I got my own shit going on. <laughs> and inappropriately, yeah. being a human, yeah. uh, you know, and plus you're seeing humanity. I mean, you know, my first day in Auschwitz, you know, there was a selfie situation. <laughs> <laughs> where there's these, the, you know, young, um, these young girls, I think they're Filipina yeah. young ladies. Um, they they came running up to like, Grandma, Grandma! And they thought I was Michael Richard. Oh, really? <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. Is so on one level, it's creepy on, like, let, let's look at this. Yeah. Mortified that I look like Michael Richard. I don't see it, but okay. Then, then B, that I'm even thinking about that. Yeah. And C, what is the etiquette? They want to do a selfie. I don't speak their language. Yeah. Um, Emily Post never covered that, so yeah. I just did a selfie as Michael Richards, as okay. a celebrity sure. who I am not, yeah. and they were happy. And then I get back, and the people from my group are like looking at me like, "The fuck is wrong with you?" Right? You know, have a little respect. Yeah, but you know the selfie quotient. Everybody was doing selfies. Well, yeah, that's what people do. But, I mean, it's they they had to put a sign up like you know no Pokemon. Oh, in Auschwitz, yeah. or one of them. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so that some people were wandering around this looking for like ratatat, ratata, or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> uh, it's just, but then you realize, well, you get there and you're you're going for this emotion, and it is there. You know, you've seen the pictures. You know, now you. But then the first thing you see is the Auschwitz snack bar, right? With like these people, you know, dressed for like you know fun day at Orlando Disney World, right? Having a slice and a Fanta, right? Oh, they and have that there. They yeah, really they, have pizza at Auschwitz. They have pizza, <laughs> pizza at Auschwitz. Alternate uh, title. I do, I mean, I imagine that these places they all have to have some. They, they are memorials to some. They're degree. museums. Museums. On some level. Okay. Okay. But you were on. You were on the place where the the crime happened. Yeah. You know, you're essentially, you know, trudging around. A crime scene and I always had this one sense. of the biggest yes yeah but you know we you know America's founded on a crime scene so they're, they're they've always been here um, yeah I just I, I think the scope of it like I, I also think that there's something about and I think the book speaks to it a little bit that there it is impossible to wrangle you know 
an empathy that wouldn't kind of destroy your entire uh, sense of of morality. Yeah, you, you know that. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Like, because it, it's it's so overwhelming, and and you, your brain, when presented with something like that, is just gonna you want to focus on your own problems or on pizza or what's immediately going on. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, how do you meditate on the no, exactly. realities of that's, genocide? That's exactly right. And it's so profound and so real and so soul-crushing, but I got off the bus yeah. and I really had to pee. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and you can see sure. the guys on the tour buses of a certain age. Yeah, the prostators. Sure, you know, just making a beeline. Sure, cutting right in. Yeah, to like the Auschwitz toilet. Right, where I had one of my first of many revelations, where it seemed like the the only thriving industry in Poland were like toilet attendants. Oh, really? You they know, were there? I, yeah, I didn't know if you paid on the way in. Yeah, or the way out. Oh, <laughs> it's a tip, and usually it's after you wash your hands, I think is the etiquette on that. Really? Yeah, I think so. I thought I had to pay to get in. Oh, well, that's interesting. Maybe you did. I don't know and how it then, works there. And then, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded. You know, what I did was I, 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 I got pee shy. Oh, yeah? So I couldn't go oh. at that one. Why, the guy and, was standing there? He, wait, did you think yeah. you didn't tip him enough? And, I don't know. You know, it's like I just kept thinking, like, if there was no Holocaust, this yeah. guy wouldn't have a job. Uh-huh. You yeah, know. The pee guy. Yeah, and is he, like, third generation, fourth generation? You know, did his great-great-grandfather hold Himmler's helmet? Yeah, maybe. You know, while he... <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. There's. I mean, that's those are good questions, too, about the legacy of the whole thing. Like, how many generations back? Who was part of it? You know, are they still here? Well, that's... That, it's funny you say that. And this this is something that I experienced, and maybe you've experienced if you've been to Germany or I Poland. Haven't, I haven't. You're you're like having breakfast at this you know buffet, and yeah. you're looking at some ninety five year old, you know bulbous nosed yeah. monster who's like giving you you, th- you know I feel like is he giving me stink eye? Sure. And there's no way not to think, you know, like seventy years ago, eighty years ago, when this guy was a teen, he was like bayoneting Jewish babies. Yeah. You know. And Could have it's, been. It's impossible not to think that. So it's a, if you're a paranoid, it's a great place to be, the Jew-killing countries, because you really feel like you know any of these guys. You've, you've never felt more Jewish. Absolutely. Well, it's like my grandfather used to say, if you ever forget you're a Jew, yeah. a Gentile will remind you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it is never more powerful and profound than out there. Yeah. Those are the worst kind of Gentiles, the Nazis, I think. That's established. Well, as people used to say about George Wallace, at least yeah. to know where he stands. Yeah. You know? Was there something that that was like, there were moments, because I remember in the book, there's definitely moments where you, you actually felt um, what you're supposed to feel. Oh, and, absolutely. And then... And then I, by judging by all the research you did and the rabbit holes you're in and also, you know, what seems to be happening in this country, it de- there does, the possibility of it seems uh, a little too possible. Yeah, it, it's actually and painfully true. It was right, you know, in the, the, the dawn of the Trump era. I know. So yeah. it, it felt less like visiting the past yeah. than visiting the future. Yeah. You know, with uh, Jews will not replace us, you know, the proud, but the whole upfront, in your face, Trump released anti Semitism. I mean, he's just a symptom. Yeah. But, you know, 
thanks to him on some level, this shit was unleashed. And here we are. And, you know, whether it's from row on down, the Christian nationalist state is fucking here. Yeah, it's uh, it's well underway on, you know, state governments and now the Supreme Court. And then then just kind of radicalized grifting motherfuckers that don't give a shit and, and, and large corporate business interests that don't give a shit. Yeah, but you know what? Guess who made a lot of money too? The yeah. fucking Nazis. Yeah. I know. You know, they were grifting. They were stealing shit from all the apartments and houses they took over, and they got all that art, stored it in a yeah. fucking salt mine. Well, the, what the real question becomes is, like, when does othering become murderous? Do you know? Because, like, mm. you know, if in the sense of... Because you think about, like, well, people are, people are so capable. Like, when you look at pictures of lynchings, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a hundred fucking white people standing there posing. Kind of smiling, it looked like a picnic. Yeah, I got a postcard once that I bought somewhere, and it was uh, it was show you know the guy's smiling and waving, and that it's so grotesque. But guess what? That could totally happen now. Well, yeah, we're just like groups of people just kill people. Well, you know that's that's the interesting revelation I had that I didn't know I was going to have, which is like the Holocaust is not the exception. Yeah, the Holocaust are the rule, and you know, be grateful you're living in a time between because the axe is always falling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a nice way to go out. It's uplifting. <laughs> like to leave you feeling positive. <laughs> no, I, I love the book and, uh, and I'm glad we kind of got the whole thing going. Got yeah. the whole, the big piece, the big talk. I think we covered it. Do you feel like, uh, you feel good about it for now? I couldn't feel better. I yeah. Mean, it, it, it's so great talking to you. It's good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. There you go. 999, One Man's Tale of Depression, Psychotic Torment, and a Bus Tour of the Holocaust. It's available now wherever you get your books. All right? So, all right, look, here's what I want to do right now. I want you people to uh, to hang out. And uh, if, if you do, you'll hear some uh, previews of what's happening next week on the show and some other uh, closing thoughts and some guitar. Just hang out. Okay, look, here's what's happening. On Monday show, I've got Naomi Ekperigen. I knew her. I met her once when she was guesting, uh, guest hosting two dope queens. I believe I was on the show with her and that's where I met her. But then I kind of knew her, her from her stand-up. She was a writer on Broad City, uh, totally biased with Kamau Bell. I never really had a long conversation with her, but I knew her and we met. And so this, that's going to happen. That's, that's going to happen on Monday. You can hear me talking to Naomi Ekperigen. It was nice. It was a good talk. I enjoyed it. Today, I interviewed Orny Adams. Now, many of you know that uh, I have a weird history with Orny Adams. And um, I, I don't know if it was resentment, but I've been awfully hard on him because he, you know, he bothered me. It was just a personal thing. There was no foundation for it. It was not uh, you know, based in anything that he deserved. But I've been a dick to him for decades and i'm like all right well let's i should talk to him <laughs> it's time to talk to him so it turned out to be one of the the great uh, the great kind of comic conversations that this show is built on 
If you don't know Orrin Adams, many of you might know him from the documentary Comedian about Jerry Seinfeld. Orny was the annoying guy in that, kind of the villain of that documentary. And we talk about that and the impact that had on his career and, and people's impression of him. It was heavy, man. It was heavy because he didn't know what to expect. He knows me and he knows, obviously, he's not completely so self-involved that he wouldn't know that I was kind of a dick to him. But he showed up. He showed up. And I knew he would. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? Huh? He didn't know what was going to happen, but he showed up. So that's coming up. Uh, it's something to look forward to if you like what this show is. Next week for WTF Plus subscribers, we'll be playing uh, part of my town hall show from last November. That was a big deal. That was a show that I put together the new hour that I'm working on now. That was the first big uh, shot of it. I got the uh, New York Comedy Festival. I got the gig to perform at Town Hall, and I set my sights on building a new hour post-COVID, post-Lynn's passing to perform at Town Hall to do it there. And I did one show there, and I'm going back there this December to shoot my HBO special. So I'll be at Wise Guys in Las Vegas Friday and Saturday, July 15th and 16th. It's next week. I'm back at Dynasty Typewriter for two shows, Saturday and Sunday, July 23rd and 24th. I'll be at Just for Laughs in Montreal for my gala on, or gala, however you want. On Saturday, July 30th, I'll also be doing um, solo shows up there. July 28th and 29th, they haven't been uh, advertised yet. Uh, then I've got a lot of dates coming up. I've got uh, dates in August and September in Columbus, Ohio, Indianapolis, Indiana, Louisville, Kentucky, Lincoln, Nebraska, Des Moines, Iowa, Iowa City, Iowa, Tucson, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, Boulder, Colorado, and Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Then in October, I'm in London, England, Dublin, Ireland. You can go to WTFpod.com slash tour for all dates and ticket info. Now I'm going to do something I don't usually do. I'm going to sing a song, and I'm allowed to because it's public domain. It's also one of the, my favorite songs ever. I just love the melody of it. It became sort of a, I think, kind of an, a protest song at, at some point. I think it's a spiritual song, historically uh, coming out of the slave spiritual tradition, I believe. And uh, I just, it, it, Taj Mahal and Ry Cooter covered it, and I just love it. So here's a few verses of it. I shall not be 
Planted by the water 